Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of Weber State Weekly. This is our football show, and we're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, a man who once witnessed a, a man lose a backyard boxing match in six seconds flat, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we got a man who hasn't seen anyone lose this badly since Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisping, John King. If you haven't ever seen it before and you're a boxing or UFC fan, I highly... I highly suggest going to YouTube after the show ends. Don't do it right now, but go to you, go, go to YouTube, type in Dan Henderson knocks out Michael Bisping and just bask in its glory. It's the best knockout that I've ever seen in the history of combat sports. It's even better because, you know, back in the day, I used to be a huge fan of the reality show, the ultimate fighter, which is how people qualified to get on to, uh, people qualified to, you know, get contracts with the UFC and, you know, the whole lead up to UFC 100 was Dan Henderson and Michael Bisping going back and forth because they were the coaches of the, on the ultimate fighter. And as is tradition, the coaches always fight at the end of the season. And Michael Bisping has said some mean, you know, some nasty things about Dan Henderson's wife and all these things. So going into the fight, I was definitely team Henderson. And that was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had watching sports in my entire life. <laughs> and keep in mind, a couple of John's teams have won championships. So that's saying something. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On today's show, we got a game recap for you folks. We're going to wrap up uh, the Beehive Bowl. Last one for what could be a while. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Weber State drubbing of Southern Utah down in Cedar City over the weekend. And then I've got a game for John. We're playing fact or whack. I've got some uh, facts. Maybe not facts. We'll have to see. Prepared for John King. Let's see if he can smell a rat. So before we get into that, I want to encourage everyone, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also see these videos on YouTube. So subscribe to any of those places where you want to get Weber State Weekly content. We're also on social media. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Twitter is one of the best places to hit us on, uh, especially on game day. Uh, hoops is getting started. We played Duquesne tonight, won that game in Pittsburgh. So uh, we'll be talking a lot more hoops as the time goes on. As Football and volleyball are winding down. And then we've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. You can become one of our patrons. Get into our game day chat on Slack, which is a good time. Got a couple, got some folks in there chatting about the game as it happens. And uh, sometimes those folks are at the game, especially on those road games. So Weber State, uh, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly to check that out. Become a patron, support the work we do. All right, John King. Let's talk about the Beehive Bowl, man, because this was one for the ages. Um, I don't think anybody expected the Wildcats. I think everybody, I was confident that the Wildcats would win. I did not think that the Wildcats would come into this and lose. I thought that, you know, basically all they've got to do is they're, they're playing for pride at this point, right? Like the, the chances of getting into the playoffs are very, very poor. It's probably not going to happen. And so the one thing you've got is we don't lose to the birds and shoot. Yeah, man, they did not lose to the birds. I mean, Initial reactions, John King, after kind of watching maybe even just the first quarter of that game, just being like, what, what's going on? Well, I mean, this was kind of, and I was thinking about this today when, you know, I was thinking about the show. This was kind of a, a reward, I think, for an up and down season. I mean, obviously, you know, the season's been a little bit disappointing if you're a Wildcat fan, because, you know, more than likely not going to be more likely not going to be going to the playoffs this year, you know, had some really close calls, you know, I mean, especially the Montana state game, that one really sticks out to me, yeah. um, you know, and, and 
there have been bright moments. I mean, the Eastern Washington moment is definitely the brightest moment of the season, but you know, a lot of, lot of, lot of bad moments as well. And so, you know, I've spoken about on this show many, many times about how much I've really enjoyed this game. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm more, I'm a newer Weber state fan than most because, you know, I didn't move out to Utah until 2016. So, you know, I really didn't know much other than Damian Lillard went to school there before that. Um, and so, you know, that this, this game has always like had a special place, you know, in my heart. And, you know, I, Will ne- you know, one of my most lasting moments, and I've said this before, is when, you know, Southern Utah knocked um, Stephen Cantwell out of the game in 2017. And, you know, really, um, pre- I mean, that injury right there totally prevented the Wildcats from, you know, being one of the seeded teams in the playoffs that year. And then to turn yeah. around and go down and absolutely annihilate the, you know, the T-Birds in Cedar City in the playoffs was one of my favorite, you know, memories in all of sports. Um, so with that being said, I really enjoyed the, the, the demolition that took place on, on Saturday. You know, I, I, I like this rivalry a lot. We've talked a lot on the show about, you know, who is Weber state's true rival. Um, you know, I was hoping that over the years that this could become something now with Southern Utah off to the whack, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, hopefully the series continues, but you never know, especially with how, you know, conference scheduling is, you know, working more and more these days. Um, but I really, really enjoyed this one. Yeah, I think that you're right, John, especially uh, maybe a little bit sad, I think, in some ways that when Southern Utah announced that they would be going to the WAC, that their president sort of said, you know, yeah, we don't really see, you know, Weber doesn't see us as a rival the way that we see them. And that was sort of, you know, disappointing words to hear because I think for Weber State fans, like you said, John, who have been paying attention for the last, you know, five, six years, it is a rivalry with with the T-Birds. We always want to beat the T-Birds. And that game against tw- against the the T-Birds in 2017 at Stewart Stadium where Stephen Cantwell goes down in the second quarter and the Wildcats end up losing, uh, that that was sort of like a, a galvanizing moment in the rivalry because the year before the T-Birds had felt that the Wildcats got lucky and had won, you know, they, I can't remember how many points they scored in the fourth quarter unanswered and ended up winning by one or something like that in 2016. And then they come back and they say, okay, leave no doubt. They're going to come up to Ogden and they do win that game. And then there was a lot of talk the rest of the season and especially leading up to that second round of the playoffs that year that the Southern Utah was the true champion and that the Wildcats were carpetbaggers because of the shared championship and, and the same record. And then, like you said, John, Wildcats go down there and absolutely annihilate the birds, and they haven't been the same since. It's been all Weber ever since. And even, even when the Wildcats have struggled, like in the spring, they still take care of business. And man, they took care of business on Saturday. And so when all they had to play for was pride, plenty of pride to go around, they really handled business. And uh, I'd love to see it as well. So I want to talk now a little bit about some stats. I mean, there's a lot to like in this one, John, obviously uh, when you beat a team 62 to nothing and they're your rival, that feels really, really good. Um, so I, I, I thought that I would just kind of pick through and find certain stats that stuck out to me and especially kind of the narrative that we have put out there that has been out there all season about Wildcats have struggled to get turnovers. Wildcats have not been able to win the turnover battle like they normally do in previous years. And that has caused problems, I think, in terms of flipping the field and giving them opportunities to score. Not the case in this one. T-Birds commit four turnovers, three interceptions by Justin Miller, who is 
I think a good quarterback, but just had a terrible game. No turnovers for the Wildcats. Why do you think John King, that they were able to punish Justin Miller with three interceptions in a way that they hadn't really punished other quarterbacks in the big sky in all these previous games? Well, I think it comes down to creating havoc in the backfield, um, which if you look at the statistics yeah. from this game, I mean, two two stats really stick out. I mean, I believe we had nine tackle tackles for losses, which, yeah. you know, was a huge, huge number. And that just, you know, credit to the defensive line and, you know, the really the front seven for being able to put that together. But then the other thing too is, is that, you know, you got three sacks to go along with that as well. And when you're getting home to the quarterback, I mean, that's such, that's something that's been, you know, I, I feel has been missing um, throughout, uh, uh, throughout this season. And, you know, I think that Weber state really reaped the benefits of, you know, unsettling the quarter of, uh, uh, up unsettling the quarterback early and then, you know, um, was able to force a couple of turnovers off, uh, off of that. I mean, you know, good things always happen when, when you're able to, you know, get in the backfield and disrupt the offense before it can really get going. And I definitely think Weber State, um, uh, I definitely think that they saw the benefit of that throughout this game. Yeah. Cause I mean, in addition to the three picks, there were three fumbles. One of those was lost by the T-Birds, but just causing problems, you know, just getting hands on balls. And, and like you said, John, even though Justin Miller was only sacked once and then his uh, backup Roy high uh, product, Tyler Skidmore was in, I think sacked twice, uh, which w- one of those was the last play of the game. Zeke Birch got to him and, you know, brought him down for the last play of the game, essentially. But still, I think that you're right that causing mayhem in the, in the backfield, pressuring Justin Miller, getting him out of his rhythm, making him have to throw in in windows that he necessarily didn't like, but was trying to get something going because the run game was just not happening for them. Um, I have to check really quickly, but I think they only ran for, oh man. Yeah. 55 yards. And so, or sorry, sorry, 15 yards. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. 15 yards. Right. And so that's net. And so it's just like absolute, disaster of a run game. And so all you have is to throw and you've got the secondary who we've talked about all season as being very talented and very skilled out there waiting for opportunities. And they, they got them, they got opportunities to bring the ball down and just caused all kinds of problems. Because another thing to note is every single time that SUU turned the ball over the Wildcats scored every time. Well, I, you know, we spoke a little bit about the front seven earlier, but I mean, that number, you know, allowing 15 net rushing yards for an entire game. I mean, that's, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you know, that's an extremely, extremely, you know, that's just a great performance. That's just a great performance all around. And so, you know, when you're able to make a team that, uh, you know, that one dimensional and be like, okay, well, you know, you, you can hand the ball off because when you hand the ball off, you know, we are absolutely dominating that phase of the game. Well, I mean, that makes things a lot easier when you only have to defend one portion of, uh, um, one portion of the offense. And that was definitely something that the, the, the T-Birds did not have the luxury of. Yeah. Um, a couple other things that stood out to me, John King, and I kind of wanted to get your take. You on the opposite side of that you talked about the fact that they were not the, the T-Birds did not run the ball well at all against the Wildcat front seven, like you said, netting only 15 yards. But on the reverse side, the Wildcats ran the ball extremely well, 220 yards on their side. It feels like when the Wildcats are able to run the ball, it's the secret to their success. When they're running the ball well, they win. It worked well against SUU. 
other games where they hadn't been able to run the ball as well. Like, I mean, to be frank, they didn't run the ball super well against Portland State. There was a lot of quarterback runs and packages for Creighton Cooper to run the ball. But in terms of the running backs running the ball that day, they really didn't. And the Wildcats lose that game. So it feels like this running is the secret to their success. And if they don't rush the ball, the Wildcats are in trouble of losing. Next week, Northern Colorado will be the final game of the season at Stewart Stadium, which has been not a great place for the Wildcats this season, surprisingly, after so many years of it being an absolute fortress, a difficult place to win. But Northern Colorado comes in ranked ninth in the conference for a run defense. I mean, John, how do you how do you take this? Do you think that the Wildcats continue this pattern and say, you know what? We're going to run the ball down their throats and it's going to open up the offense. We thought that they would, they would do it against Portland State, but it wasn't the case. What's your I- take? I do. I mean, I, I think that uh, I, I think that the Wildcats will, you know, get it done in the last game of the season. I mean, you know, while we probably won't make the playoffs, it will be nice to have another winning, you know, another winning record in you know consecutive season. I think that'll be a really, um, uh, I think that'll be a really good, you know, positive note. I guess you would say to take into the off season. But you are one hundred percent correct. I mean, you know, and this, and this, honestly, this has been the case for a couple of years now. I mean, the Weber State offense has gone where the running game has gone, and when Weber State has had the ability to run the football with success, um, you know, great things have you know opened up in the offense, and you've seen you know more explosive plays, and you know, j- just because. We, uh, I feel like we we want to be that run first style offensive team, um, and so you know when you rush for two hundred sixty, you know if you would have told me before the game, sorry, two hundred twenty, not two hundred sixty, but um, if you would have told me before the game that that Weber State was going to rush for two hundred twenty yards, well then I would have said to you, "All right, Colby, we're going to blow them out. Like we're going to win by five or six scores." I didn't think it would be, you know eight or nine scores, but, you know, I would have said that we were going to win pretty comfortably if you would have told me that we were going to rush for 20, 220 yards before the game. Yeah, absolutely right. Cause I think about uh, in stark contrast to that, the main game in 2018 Wildcats not able to run the ball that day, cold day in Ogden in December. Uh, and you know, then they're forced to throw the ball and the main pass rush is pretty elite and just not able to get anything else going. And so I think you're right, John, that, if the Wildcats are up there and they're running for 150 plus yards in a game, there's a very good chance that they win that game because like you mentioned, it just opens up the field to so many other things. It makes the defense keep stay honest. They have to load the box to stop the run opens up opportunities in the past game. Guys can come across the middle without fear and, uh, and good things can happen. So I think that, I would think that the Wildcats would do more of that against Northern Colorado over the uh, next weekend on Saturday. I don't think that, I mean, right now, Northern Colorado is, you know, it is the first year of head coach Ed McCaffrey. He's working through some things. They have the absolute worst defense or worst offense in the conference. Um, and I just don't see them at nine in the conference stopping the run. And so if it's a strength, hopefully the Wildcats will capitalize on that in ways that they haven't and finish the season strong with a dub. So now John, I want to talk about, um, talk, talk a little bit more about the offense. Cause obviously it's, it's the key factor here. Of course, the defense pitches a shutout 62 to nothing. That's, that's something to be talked about, but the offense has been the struggle all season. And so I wanted to keep with that theme and talk about Rashid Shahid because he had, he only had three catches, but 125 yards in those catches, they were some big plays along with a touchdown. It's almost a bummer to kind of see him 
it kind of hit his stride for big plays toward the end of his senior season. And it feels like he's really starting to build some chemistry with uh, freshman quarterback Bronson Barron. I mean, do you, do you see it that way? Do you see like he, you, do you feel he is hitting his stride and, and starting to really, you know, be that contributor because we've heard it a number every week. Jay Hill wants to get the ball to Rashid Shahid more. We're seeing it. And when he does get it, it's for big chunks of yardage. How, how do you, how do you feel about that kind of situation? I think when we're looking back in two or three months and we're, and we're, you know, after the season ends and, you know, we look back and we say, you know, okay, well, we reacted a certain way in the moment, but how do we react now? I think one thing that we're really going to be disappointed in is that, you know, is, is I think that that connection is coming a little bit too, uh, too little, too late. I mean, um, I would have really, I mean, the biggest what if I think of the season is going to be what would have happened to the season had Bronson Barron not been hurt. Um, yeah. I think that is um, something that, you know, I think Wildcat fans are, I think they're going to, I mean, with basketball season starting and, you know, hopefully a good basketball basketball season, I think there's going to be distraction for a little while, but I think next when we get to March, when we get to April, when, you know, people are starting to itch for football to come around again, I think that we're all going to think about that. Um, and that's, you know, that's unfortunate because anybody who's watched this team, you know, since he stepped foot on cam- campus, I mean, Rashid Shahid is not only one of the most electric, you know, players in the history of Weber state football, but he's one of the most electric players to watch in the country at any level. I mean, you know, and it's going to be really, it's going to be a very sad day. Like, you know, he's going to play his game last game next weekend. And that's going to be a tough, tough day for wildcat fans because, you know, guys like him don't grow on trees. I mean, it's not like, you know, you just go out and there's, all right, there's 10 Rashid Shahids just sitting there waiting to be recruited. Okay. There's, there's one and we had him. And so, um, you know, I, I think that that's, uh, um, I mean, it's a little, it's, it's a little bit disappointing that, you know, I, cause I do think that they're, they're, they're kind of hitting their stride at this time, but that's because, you know, this is the most they've really gotten to play together. And so I think that that's going to be, um, I think this could be something when we look back on the football season here in a couple months, I think we're going to be like, man, I wish we just would have had a couple more weeks of that. I think we would have had something if we would have had just a couple more weeks of that. Yeah, I think you're probably right, John, because I mean, it's almost like the Stephen Cantwell thing where once Cantwell gets the opportunity to start to throw the ball, really, you know, a great player uh, had the vision to throw the ball and the arm to throw the ball down the field but then also had the ability to make things happen with his legs. And uh, we haven't seen quite that combo since 2017, you know, sort of looking for a quarterback like that again. I haven't had him and uh, just disappointing that the, the time that the opportunity he gets to shine in that role now for Rashid Shahid as the wide receiver with, you know, almost like uh, I would say like not maybe the number one target, you know, because down the field, those big chunks of yardage, he's the guy because of his speed and the ability to get behind the defense um, starting to find the stride now with just one game remaining on the schedule because of the, the way that things have shaked shook out just kind of a bummer overall. I think you're right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Bronson Barron now. And like you said, John, uh, I think Barron has definitely been dealing with some injuries, um, maybe some stuff lingering from the spring, but also some getting banged up here in the fall season as well. Uh, a full off season, I think will do him well. I don't think that him playing in the spring is a minus. I think that the opportunity to gain those reps um, made the difference for him 
uh, being a true freshman. But I, I yesterday, uh, sorry, not yesterday, but Saturday, Barron comes in and throws for 225 yards on 13 of 18 passing and three touchdowns. He was only sacked once. I feel like the thing that he needs to work on, um, and I don't know really how you do this, uh, but hopefully he continues to excel at this, is dealing with the pressure. Because it's clear to me that when he has the opportunity to work without the pressure in his face, he can be very good. We just saw it. 13 of 18, three touchdowns, 225 yards, and he didn't even play the whole game. They put Randall Johnson in, I think, late in the third quarter, and that was that. You know, And so, John, I wanted to ask, I mean, do you feel that it's something that Barron will get better with at with time? How does a quarterback become cooler under pressure? Because I think it's what Barron needs. Because if he can get that, he can be elite. Well, I think, you know, I think if I had the answer to that question, I think that, you know, I think I'd be a pretty hot commodity um, <laughs> around the world because, you know, Bronson Barron's not the only quarterback in the country who who, who's, who sits there and says to themselves, man, if I just would have had a little more time, we would have been fine. I mean, that's pretty much every quarterback, you know, it doesn't matter if you're playing on Saturdays, it doesn't matter if you're playing on Sundays, Shisha doesn't even matter if you're playing on Friday nights. Um, so, you know, I think what we're going to look at over the course of this, I mean, cause it, we, we've played back-to-back seasons now and, you know, that's a lot of games. Um, and that's a lot of games over the course of the last, you know, calendar year, yeah. uh, uh at, at, at the end of the day. And I think that one thing that, you know, it's one thing to get game experience and I think game experience is irreplaceable, but the two things that, you know, I'd be looking for, um, uh, um, that I think are really going to help Bronson out are going to be number one, he's going to get to go through a spring ball this year and he's going to get to go through a real spring ball. I mean, like, you know, last year with the spring season where there was kind of a fall ball type, you know, type thing that was going on. Um, But I think getting back to a normal schedule is going to help him out a lot. Um, And then, you know, and so much so, you know, I really thought, and I think injuries really hampered Bronson's development over the course of the year, because I said at the beginning of the season, I was, I, I said, you know, I think we're really going to look back at the end of the season and say that, wow, the spring was huge for Bronson and really made all the difference. Um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately injuries are part of the game and that kind of got in the way a little bit of that development, but the two things I think that are going to help Bronson out the most are a, he's going to get to go through spring practice and B he's going to be able to get healthy. I mean, I, I think that's gotta be the biggest thing for him is just, you know, give, give him some time, you know, away from, you know, away from the game, away from taking hits um, and just get healthy. So when we roll this thing back, you know, here, here next fall, he's going into next season, you know, 100% couldn't be feeling better. Um, and with a better grasp of everything, because the longer you the longer you stick around, I mean, that's the um, uh, th- that's just gonna that's just gonna be better for him. So um, I think he's gonna have a I think he's gonna have a really good off season. Um, but I think those two things are gonna be you know he's got a lot of game experience, but you know he's going to be able to get some different kinds of experience this off season. Yeah, because uh, looking through the schedule in the fall, it's it's going to be another tough schedule next year. Wildcats will have to take on JMU on the road at uh, in in Harrisonburg, and then um, an, another another gauntlet of Big Sky teams um, on the schedule. And so it's not going to be an easy one in the fall of 2022. And so I think you're right. I think that 
the the time away will help the Wildcats get healthy. There is a lot of veteran leadership on the defense that they will be losing. And so um, the defense could look very different. Um, and a lot of guys are going to have to step up because I was looking through the, the list of seniors this, this afternoon. They will be losing Jared Sheese. They will be losing Sherwin Lavaca. They will be losing a lot of guys that have really anchored that defense. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a big difference. So we'll see how that, how that pans out. But I think you're right. That little time away, uh, a true off season, uh, time to get healthy, time to stick around, get study some film, get ready, all for the better for uh, for the Wildcats, for especially that young offense because there are a lot of young guys there. Um, uh, one last thing though, while we're talking about seniors, uh, back to Rashid Shahid, the the T Birds largely kicked away from Shahid. I mean, I don't know, John, what do you think? Is he going to get a chance to break that NCAA record because he's only got one more game? I think he's going to get one shot. And if he, he, I think they'll kick to him maybe one time, whether that'll be, I don't know when that's going to be, but I think they're going to, he's going to get one shot at it. And, you know, um, whether he is able to take it or whether that works out. Um, but, you know, it's been such a, with the offensive struggles over the course of the year, the one, you know, one of the, biggest consistent, you know, things, especially over the last couple of years, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, if you consider this offense have been Rashid Shahid's kick returns. Yeah. And so, you know, kicking away from him or not giving him the ability to do that. I mean, that's, that does take a, a decent amount away from, you know, how, Weaver state gets good field position. And so I think he'll get one shot at it. Um, and I hope, I really hope that he, you know, can, um, uh, can make the most of it. Cause I think it'd be a really awesome record to break. Um, but I, I, I do think he will get one chance. Um, I don't think he'll get any more than that. Yeah, I was going to say kind of on the bright side of this situation is obviously everybody, anybody who's a, a fan of the Weber state Wildcats and maybe some people who aren't, they want to see Rashid Shahid break the record. He's, good kid class act. I mean, they want to see him get a chance to break the record, but on the flip side, a lot of these kicks, you know, away from Rashid, he'd have gone to Hayes Hadley. And I think that there's an opportunity for him to kind of get, get a little, a few more reps here in this season and start to, you know, get comfortable with being what Rashid Shahid has been for the Wildcats for the last five years. Right. Um, he has been a weapon. And having giving Hayes Hadley the opportunity to kind of see that in person and get some of those reps while Shahid is on the field and take some of that special teams coaching from a veteran leader like himself. Uh, man, I mean, that's that's worth something. So I guess it can't be all bad. The fact that he hasn't broken the record yet. I mean, he's, he's tied right now. That's not nothing. Uh, but good opportunity for Hayes Hadley to kind of see how it's done. And uh, one more shot, like you said, I think you're right. He'll probably get one more shot to break the record because if he starts getting chunks of yardage, they're, they're going to stop kicking him and say, Nope, we ain't doing that anymore. Um, John, last thing I wanted to talk about uh, were a couple of guys that uh, haven't gotten their name called a lot on this podcast, but I wanted to shout out because we talked about the run game and uh, this year, the run game has been, like we said, a key to success for the Wildcats. And so two seniors that we wanted to talk a little bit about Dave Jones and Clay Moss. They'll be playing their last games as Weber state Wildcats um, tomorrow or not tomorrow uh, this weekend. And uh, man, they, they, they got a lot of work. I mean, 
who do you think takes their place in those situations? Because Clay Moss, fullback, guy who can come through and and block. I mean, looking at the roster as it, as it's constructed now, who's going to take the place of a Dave Jones or a Clay Moss? Honestly, no idea. Yeah, um, it's tough. You know, I think that's a tough question. I mean, you know, I think you look at this game, um, and this was truly a running back by committee, you know, game. I mean, Dave Jones led the led the backfield with you know um, uh, with fourteen touches, but then no one else had more than six. And um, I I just kind of think that that's a way that you know the football is kind of going is 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 that you know you have a stable of three or four guys and, you know, long, you, you know, other than um, I, I don't think that there's going to, I think when we look at the team, you know, the, the roster next year, I think we're going to, um, and we look through those first couple box scores. I think that you're going to see more of a running back by committee ap- uh, approach. And, you know, I, I said going into the season that, you know, uh, I thought this was our most talented group. Um, I still think that there's a lot of talent in that room. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and so I, I, th- I just, you know, I, I don't know who's going to replace uh, uh, Dave Jones and, uh, and Clay Moss, to be honest. I, I, I'll be very, that would be something that will definitely be a storyline, though, going in to next season is how the running back touches are handled. Like, I do think that's going to be like, I, I think that's going to be one of the biggest early season storylines. Like when we start, you know, our preview and our prep for, for next year's season, I think that's going to be, cause that's good. I mean, as we said earlier, that controls so much of this offense. I mean, being able to consistently run the football and find success on the, find success on the ground. Like it, it's a big deal to Weber state. And so, um, you know, uh, I think that that's going to be a big time storyline that we're looking at is how those, those touches are going to be handled moving forward. Yeah. Um, You noted that SUU is going to be making the move to the WAC after the season. Um, I don't know, John, does the Beehive Bulls survive? You know, cause it's been fun. I mean, obviously we've been on the winning side of a lot of games against the T-Birds, but it's a game that both sides get up for. Um, I don't know. Does it survive with conference realignment? What do you think? I hope so. And, you know, I, I think I've said this before on the podcast. If I haven't said it before on the podcast, you know, um, I, I, I went to Syracuse university. That's my alma mater for, uh, undergrad. Um, and one of the, you know, the toughest things, and, you know, if you're a college basketball fan, you know how big of a game the Syracuse Georgetown game is. And Syracuse and Georgetown didn't play for four years after, um, uh, uh, after Syracuse left the Big East. And if you would have said that to alumni at the time, they would have said, you're crazy because they would have been like, that's one of the biggest games of the college basketball season. And you're just going to stop playing it. Um, and that's just how conference alignment, realignment has, you know, change things up. And so I, 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 I love this game. Like I, I think it's, I think it has potential and I think it has had potential to become a really, really good rival uh, rivalry game. Um, and I think that they, um, that Southern Utah is the most, when we've had that conversation, who is Weber state's rival? I think that Southern Utah is, you know, could be that, um, uh, could be that main rival. Um, and so I hope that, you know, the athletic directors are able to get together and, you know, are able to make the scheduling work somehow, um, in order to, you know, 
it probably won't be every year, but you know, every, every, every couple, you know, maybe every other, I don't know. Um, because I would like to see it survive. Um, but I will say, you know, I, I do think that with the trends in college football of scheduling more conference games and, you know, really taking away the non-conference schedule, like that's something that will worry me over the next couple of years, because, you know, we were state, you know, we want and uh, we're, we're going to want to schedule in the limited non-conference games. We can schedule. We're going to want to schedule resume builders. And, you know, it's something Utah always going to be a resume builder. Well, I don't have the answer to that question, but um, you know, I really do hope that this game, that this game makes it through the conference, uh, through the conference realignment. Yeah. Because I mean, there's a history of rivalry games living beyond uh, conference realignment. We see it with Florida and Florida state. You know, they still play each other every year on on rivalry weekend. Um, even even within the state, we've seen Brigham Young and Utah continue to figure out a way to make it work. Not every year, but most years, it still happens and um, likely to continue. Um, so I, I agree with you, John. I think hopefully the ads find a way to make this game continue. I think I personally think we need a better trophy. There's no trophy for this game, which I think is part of this, right? Like it's it's why it's so maybe easy for it to go away. Because if you've got a trophy, like I look at some of the old big sky rivalries like Montana, Idaho, and uh, of course, we've got Cat Grizz coming up this weekend, Brawl of the Wild. If you've seen that trophy, I mean, that thing is massive. Like guys got to hold it on their shoulder. You know, it's just crazy big. But uh, I think that that's maybe a part of this too, is that this thing needs a trophy. And if it's going to survive, because like, think about this, S-U-U-N-A-U has a trophy. Them, they have a trophy. But we don't. The Beehive Bowl doesn't have a trophy. That's crazy. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, and and and, one, and I guess one additional point I wanted to make is you know, um, is is that you know maybe this is something that you know the, the state legislators can help us out with a little bit because you know and and, and, and you know you laugh we, we laugh about that but in other states you know there are mandates, you know, from state government that, you know, you got to schedule these, these teams, you know, every you know, every so often, you know, the local teams, the, and as local as Cedar city can be to Ogden, but you know, the in-state teams. And so um, maybe that, you know, maybe that provides us with a little bit of Avenue, um, you know, to keep the game going, but I really hope the athletic directors can get together and, 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 and make it work. I would say that my one worry about the beehive bowl right now is Dixie State. Well, now Utah Tech, because I was going to say correction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Utah Tech is a program that is on the rise. Um, there's investment there. Um, they obviously have their schedule is one of the toughest in the in the in this country this year. Their schedule is just absolutely brutal and nuts. They played some of the toughest teams in the country in both the WAC and the Big Sky and beyond, and just got absolutely throttled by everybody almost. And they just kept on chugging. You know what I mean? And so my worry is that as Utah Tech challenges itself and tries to schedule those tough games and becomes something maybe more than what is in Cedar City right now, that the appeal of scheduling a Southern Utah diminishes when you've got another school, when we talk about resume builders and out of conference schedule, who could be a better pick for you when you're making the case to an FCS committee to say, yes, we should be in the playoff. I guess that's one of my biggest concerns is that Utah tech will begin to overshadow 
SUU as a rival. And that's fine. I think if there's a rivalry that buds, but right now with the history, the way it is, would love to see the game continue with SUU. Definitely. All right, man. We said a lot of words about the final Beehive Bowl for uh, the foreseeable future. We don't know anything about that. Uh, hopefully, like we said, that changes. But now we're going to move on to Factor Whack. All right, John King, I've got some, uh, some, I guess I got some statements for you. And you're going to have to tell me whether this is fact or whack. So, first one up I've got for you SUU quarterbacks combined, because both Justin Miller and Tyler Skidmore played. Uh, took reps in the game on Saturday. They combined for a 50% completion percentage. Is that fact or is that whack? I'm going to say that's fact because that was one of the things that I looked up in the box score right before we got on the show. So I'm going to say fact. And he is correct. It is fact. They combined for uh, just 50%, uh, 10 of 20. Uh, Justin Miller, 8 of 17. And then Tyler Skidmore, 2 of 3. So a little bit more success on his side. And obviously... No turnovers. All right. Now to the next one. Rashid Shahid had more return yards than Hayes Hadley. Is that fact or is that whack? I'm going to say that that's whack. Um, just because of what you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about, about Hayes and Rashid. I, I, I want to say it's whack. It actually is whack. <laughs> I was trying to trip you up because it was like, what? There's no way. But like you said, in the conversation we just had, they largely kicked away from Rashid Shahid. So the returns, all returns, both had two opportunities. And Hayes Hadley ended up netting 48 yards. He had a long of 40. Rashid Shahid only 20 yards with a long of 14. So they were ready for him when they did kick to him. So, yep, you are absolutely correct. It is whack. I got another one. Kyle Thompson, freshman kicker for the Wildcats. He went eight for eight on extra points. Is that fact or is that whack? I think that's why, because I don't think he kicked the last one. <laughs> oh, John King's too good, man. You're absolutely right. He didn't kick the last one. Riley Moore did. So he was actually seven for seven. And then Riley Moore is one for one with the final extra point, making it eight for eight. Man, John King, you're too you're too good, man. On fire. And fuego. And fuego right now. Okay. Next one. Kai Whitworth had a solo tackle. That fact or is that whack? I'm gonna say that's whack. Okay, because obviously Ty Whitworth, all American offensive lineman. Yeah. What is he doing getting a solo tackle? It's actually fact. <laughs> I don't know how, and I, know, I would have to go back and look through the game. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember that from watching the game. Yeah, but if you go through the stat sheet, yeah, he's got a solo tackle all by himself. Look at that. I was surprised. Had to throw it in factor whack. All right, man. This is the last one, and this one took a little digging. It's not going to come from the stat sheet, but it's going to come from the history between these two teams. Weber State has lost more Beehive Bowls in Ogden than in Cedar City. Is that fact or is that whack? So I'm going to say that's fact because I, I remember somebody saying to me at some point that like, because there were so many years that went back and forth where we would win in Cedar city and then they would win in Ogden. And I, so because of that, I'm going to say that that is, that is, that is fact. Man, John King too good. It's fact, man. The Wildcats have lost six beehive bowls in Ogden. They've only lost two in Cedar city. So Man, 
John King, two goals. Well, let's what'd you go on there? That's one, two, three, four, four for five. Four for five, man. My goodness. Sign this man to a 10 year contract. Eighty <laughs> percent on a you know two question sorry two choice multiple choice uh, uh, exam not that impressive honorary degree from Weber State Weekly that's for dang sure that's right all right man um, so like we noted just one upcoming event for the football season before it wraps up this year uh, we'll be playing Northern Colorado at Stewart stadium this Saturday, November 20th for the final game. It will be senior day. And so there will be a lot of fanfare, of course, with that a lot of team family members will be there. And so this is your last chance folks. Uh, you want to go see the Wildcats play one more time before the snow falls. This is it. We'll be taking on Northern Colorado 1 PM at Stewart stadium. So if the game is at 1 PM, that means be up there to tailgate by 11. A lot of folks are up there earlier, but get up there at 11, start tailgating. You'll have a good time. You can get a game on ESPN plus or one Oh three, one, the wave. Listen to Steve Klauke there. Be the last chance to listen to him this season. Uh, and then he'll be moving over hoops. So John, we'll wrap up the show. Like we usually do uh, Weber state weekly at gmail.com. If you want to email us, um, facebook.com slash Weber state weekly on Instagram and Twitter as well at Weber state weekly, uh, Patreon You can go to patreon.com slash Weber state weekly to support our work. And we got a blog, Weber state weekly.com. Um, go check it out. I've got a bunch of interviews with recruits coming up uh, because we just had signing day. Uh, if you noticed, uh, signing day for soccer and volleyball. And um, I think softball has a bunch of recruits right now as well. And so we'll be interviewing. Oh, and there's also a uh, hoops recruit out of uh, Las Vegas that we want to get an interview with. So a bunch of upcoming content on the website with all of these new recruits, uh, new Wildcats coming on soon. Uh, check that out. WeberStateWeekly.com. We'll be posting it on social media as we get through it. But yeah, so be looking forward to that. All right, John King, want to thank you so much, man, for taking some time to chat with me about Weber State football. Uh, we'll be probably having one more game day show with Coach Tom Stackeruck. We'll see that game on Saturday or that game day show will be up on Saturday. And then we'll have one more football episode for you folks to wrap up the season on Monday night. So, John, I'll wrap it up like I usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Oh, Wildcats. Oh, Wildcats.